An admiralty team will debrief you personally upon your return. Damn, Seahawk, Stuart thought. The submarine's destination was not the easiest place to reach undetected. Under the North Sea, up the Skagrak, down the Kattegat, skirting the Danish and Swedish coasts, through the narrow straits, always a tricky navigational exercise, and out into the Baltic for a final fifty-odd miles then inland into waters that undeniably belonged to the DDR, East Germany, crawling with Eastern Bloc shipping, not to mention Russian submarines from bases at Rostock and Stralsund. Periscope death, Stuart muttered the order, observing the quiet atmosphere of the silent running mode of the boat. The plainsmen caressed their aircraft-like yokes, bringing the submarine up slowly from its two hundred and fifty feet below the water, then gently eased off. Periscope depth, sir? Up, periscope. A solid, tubular structure hissed upward, and Stuart slammed the handles down, flicking on the night vision switch, and doing one complete circuit of three hundred and sixty degrees. He could just pick up the coastline, bleak and flat. Nothing else. No lights or ships. Not even a fishing boat. Down, periscope. He knocked the handles up, took two steps across the control room to the radio array and picked up the internal broadcast microphone, switching it on with his thumb and speaking in almost a whisper. Seahawk to the control room, please. Up in the forends, surrounded by red-marked safety equipment, just behind a bank of torpedo tubes in the only space available for passengers, Seahawk and his two companions heard the captain's voice as they lay on makeshift bunks four feet above the deck. Already, Having had plenty of warning prior to the approach to the RV, they were kitted out in black rubber diving suits, each with waterproof holsters attached to his belt, while the cumbersome, folded inflatable had been unstowed and now lay within reach. Seahawk swung his feet onto the metal deck and, without undue haste, made his way abaft to the control room. Only those inside that magic, confined inner circle of specialists that is the global intelligence community would have recognized Seahawk as Commander James Bond. His companions were members of the elite Naval Special Boat Squadron, officers known for their discretion and often used by the service to which Bond owed his allegiance. Stuart looked up as Bond stooped to enter the control room. We've got you here on time. His manner showed no particular deference, merely a taut professionalism. Bond nodded. Good. In fact, we're about an hour early, which gives us a little leeway. He glanced at the stainless steel Rolex on his left wrist. Can you let us go in about twenty minutes? Yes. How long will it take you? I presume you'll surface only partially, so just enough time to get the inflatable blown and paddle out of your downdraft. Ten, fifteen minutes? And we use only the radio signals, as instructed? Three bravos from you for danger. Two deltas from us when we need you to resurface and take us aboard again. We'll use the exit hatch forward for the sail as arranged. No problem there, I trust? It'll be slippery on the casing, particularly on return. I'll have a couple of ratings out to assist. And a rope. A ladder, for preference. As far as I know, our guests haven't had any experience boarding submarines at night. Whenever you're ready. Right, we'll get shipshape then. Pond turned and made his way back toward the pair of special boat squadron officers. Captain Dave Andrews, Royal Marines and Lieutenant Joe Preedy, Royal Marines. Quickly they went over the drill again. They lugged the inflatable paddles and the small lightweight engine back toward the metal ladder that would take them to the forward hatch, and from there to the casing 
and the cold wetness of the Baltic. Two ratings and oilskins already waited for them, and the entire party stood at the foot of the ladder, one of the ratings ready to scramble up as soon as the order came. In the control room, Lieutenant Commander Stewart had taken another quick look around through the periscope, and, as it was lowered, gave the order to surface to casing and black light. As the second command was obeyed, the interior of the boat became completely dark, but for the glow of instruments in the control room, and the occasional flicker of a heavily shaded red torch. One such was carried by the rating at the foot of the ladder. They began to move quickly up the rungs until a soft voice came from the communications speakers. Casing surfaced. There was a slight clang as the man turned the wheel, unlocking the forward hatch. Then fresh air poured in like cold water from the small open circle above them. Joe Preedy was first up the ladder, assisted by the dimmed red glow of the torch held by the rating below.